If you'll bow there one more time. Father, come in this moment and ask that you would bless this time, that you would bless these words and that they would be yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage today is out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And this is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. So there's a story of a little girl who proudly wore a shiny cross on a chain around her neck. And one day she was approached by a man who said to her, Little girl, don't you know that the cross that Jesus died on wasn't beautiful like the one you're wearing? It was an ugly wooden thing. The girl said, Yes, I know. But they told me in Sunday school that whatever Jesus touches, he changes. And the wooden cross that that is represented here that he died on was an ugly wooden thing. But whatever Jesus touches, he changes. There's a teaching in the Bible, this passage today, we, that, that we really have to focus on and look at and work our best to get right. And that the teaching is the message of the cross. What does it mean? What does the cross mean? Oswald Chambers said this. He said, all heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is terribly afraid of it. While men are the only beings who more or less ignore its message. The heavens uh, look at the cross and, are, and they see it and wonder and, and, and those of, of hell are terrified by what it represents and we see it and we go, oh man, that's nice. Or wow, that's not nice. Or I just don't believe that. But if we're going to place our trust in Jesus Christ, we can't be confused about the message of the cross, about what it means. For the message of the cross is foolishness. To those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So two types of people, right? Those, those who are spiritually lost and those who are being saved. And the primary difference between these two types of people all boils down to their understanding of the meaning of the cross. Those who are perishing see it as foolishness. And you'll hear that. You, know, you, uh, you, you have a fairy tale God. That there's no such thing as God. It's just what we have here. Your belief is foolishness. It's not based in reality. It's based on something else. It's your own belief you were raised with. It's something that maybe you were emotionally drawn to. But it's foolishness. It's not true. But those of us who are being saved see the very power of God in the cross. For our Savior came. He died upon the cross. He went to the grave and He rose. And that cross represents to us him. He who has all power. The one who is more powerful than, than, than anything that we can imagine. Jesus accomplished the work of salvation on the cross. When he went there, he was earning salvation for us. And hear that. He earned salvation for us. 
We can't earn salvation. We don't earn it. He did. He's the only one that could. Sin free, sin one. So the cross is the centerpiece of our faith. The more that we grow in faith, the more we can see the cross as an anchor. When we look at the cross, it represents to us some things. Romans 8.3 For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. Hear that. What the law was powerless to do. We couldn't fulfill the law. The rules and the regulations. And I know in the church we see scripture and, and, we, and we grab the rules and the regulations and we still try to fulfill them. That's not what we're called to. We're called to freedom that comes from the Spirit. Yes, there are things that we do, but it's, it's because when Christ touches us, it changes us. We are no longer the same creature. So a cross that is an instrument of death becomes a symbol of life for us. Because when what Christ touches, he changes. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the life of a sinful man to be a sin offering. Because we couldn't do it. We're not good enough. Our, the best good that we can be is good enough. And we can be pretty good. But we can't come close to what's needed. See, we weren't making it great spiritually. We were sent to die. We missed the mark because of sin in our lives. <coughs> Jesus came to die in our place. As Myra just referenced, Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And, and since Myra and I didn't talk beforehand, this might be an emphasis this morning, because God just brought it up twice. So hear the word of God. Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? You know that what comes out of that? You know what it means? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? What does that mean? Yeah, we weren't good enough. Do you have to get better? Yeah, yeah. And, and do you have to get better and come, or you, do you come so you can get better? Yeah, you come. You don't have to worry about getting your life right out there before you come to join the body of Christ, because that's not how it works. He died for us while we were yet sinners. Hear that? While we were still missing the mark. Well, I don't care what word you use. When we were, were ungodly, when we were whatever it is that's keeping you, that's in, the, in between you and a full relationship with God. Don't let that stop you from becoming all that you can be for Him. We all have stuff in our life. Every single person in here has stuff in our life. Don't let it block you from a full relationship with Jesus Christ. He came and died while we were still Sinners. Power of the word. Power of the word. It also means that we need to be willing to accept people as they come and not expect them to be better when they get here. And that's critical in the church. We need to be willing to meet people where they are. We're called to it. God will change their heart over time. 
Amen. When he died for our sins, his sinless life was substituted for our sinful one. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Whatever righteousness we have isn't because of us, it's because of what he did. Because he came, because of the cross, he came, he died for us and it brings righteousness into our lives. So don't think that it's about what we are of ourselves because it's not. It's about what he did for us. It's not just a New Testament thing. Isaiah 53.5 But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Punishment that brought us peace, that brings us peace in our lives, was upon Christ. He took it on. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. So much he loves you. He went, he, he went and suffered terror. you ever watched The Passion of the Christ, you know a little a taste of it. It wasn't a good thing that he went through for you and for me. So that we could be so that we could be filled with the very righteousness of God because of him. The cross is the cross is about redemption. Now redeem, it means to buy something back that he wants to possess. If you look at old biblical times, it, you can reference it, it to describe a slave who was freed from slavery. Now that kind of slavery was generally different from the kind that we saw here in our country, but a slave would have a certain debt, right? It was called a ransom. So he would, he would, he would become indentured or enslaved to, to his master to pay for that debt. Now, if a friend or family member could pay that debt that the slave owed, then he would be set free. He'd be redeemed. He'd be redeemed. His ransom would be paid. He could walk as a free man once he was redeemed. Redemption is what Jesus accomplishes for us on the cross. We are redeemed because of him, because of what he did. He paid the debt that we owe. The debt that we owe. But he provided the perfect sacrifice without spot or blemish, and that was critical for the Jews, because he became the Passover lamb, which had to be without blemish or without spot. As he fulfilled the Old Testament, his death paid the ransom to buy us that to buy us back, to buy you back, to buy me back from sin and death. First Timothy 2. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. He gave himself as a ransom for all of us, all humanity. And again, doing research for this, I came across a story of uh, a man whose son had died fighting the Taliban Eastern Afghanistan. When asked how he felt about his son's death, the man said through through tears, if we're going to enjoy the liberty that we have in our country, then I guess I have to be willing to let go of my son so that all of us can be free. And that's what God did. He let go of his son so that we can be free. He made the death. The cross reminds us of that. It also reminds us about grace. His cross is the ultimate representation of grace. Talked about this a couple weeks ago. Grace is the undeserved favor of God. We don't deserve to have Jesus, the perfect Son of God, the one who has sinned sinless, to die in our in our place, to die for us. 
But because of God's grace, we receive mercy. God is merciful. He gives us mercy. See, mercy is simply getting what we don't deserve. Getting what we don't deserve. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That's, that's what we deserve. But we have a gift of life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus was about to let us take the punishment for our sin. Think about that. He chose to come. He didn't have to. He's God. He chose to come. God to use that for us so that we might have an opportunity for redemption. And that is grace. And I know there's a lot of different ideas out there. Some people think that if you're just a good enough parent or a good enough citizen or give money to charities or, or do the right things, then that, that's good enough for God. But that's not about God. That's about us. And it's not good enough. Others think, well, my parents and my grandparents have been going to church for a long time, so that ought to be good enough. But it's not, because that's still not about God. Some people think, that if, okay, I'll go to church and I'll put money in the offering plate and I'll do a little bit of service in some capacity and that'll make me acceptable to God. And it won't. Because it's about Christ. None of those things is about God. Those are about us. Salvation is a gift given through Christ as a gift of grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourself, but the gift of God, not by works, so that nobody can boast, because God knows us, and if we could do it on our own, we'd boast about it. We'd say, hey, look at me. It's not about that. It's a gift given freely. A little later in Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. John Bishop is a gentleman. He wrote a book called On a Hill Too Far Away. He talks about a church in Connecticut. It's in Old Greenwich, Connecticut. It had a 10-foot cross located. It wasn't located on the wall or off to the side. It was bolted in front of the platform, it would be probably right here in front, about three feet from, from, from me. Ten feet. Now think about this. The cross, you'd be looking at me, trying to see me through a cross. Ten foot tall. He spoke there, and he said, when you stand up behind the podium to speak, the horizontal crossbar is, is three feet in front of your nose. When I closed my eyes to sleep on the night I spoke there, the cross was somehow stamped on my eyelids, much like you feel a hat on your head long after you've taken it off. So you can't do anything in that church that wouldn't involve that cross. It was in the way, right? It, it, that What kind of planning is that? You have to put the cross there? You can't look at anything else in that church and it, it draws your eye. So, so, so when you're in that place, you, you end up drawn to the cross. And I think one of the great problems that we have in the church is that we focus on so many things other than the cross. What kind of music do we play? What kind of color is the carpet or the buildings? Or what are we going to do here? What are we going to do here? We allow, allow our own focus to take us away from the cross. Because the cross speaks. And it speaks loudly to us. We have more Christians who are cross-eyed. We'll probably get back, back in mission. <laughs> we probably lead to dying and lost world. See, the message of the cross is salvation itself. 
When you look at the cross, you see the two great commandments. Amen. I, I talk about this a lot. I want you to get this. When you see the vertical being, what does that represent? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all of who you are. And what does the, the horizontal being represent? Love your neighbor as yourself. Every time that you see that, all the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. Amen? So when we see a cross, it tells us how to live as a Christian. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we get that right, I don't care what Satan wants to do or like the gates of hell can't stand against a people who are loving God and loving their neighbor. Cannot stand against that kind of power. Because the cross is power to those who are being saved. So I don't care if, they, if, if the world wants to see this foolishness. Cool. Doesn't matter. It requires faith to be saved. They don't have faith, that's okay. It doesn't change who I am. It doesn't need to change who you are. People can try to ignore it. They can try to go around it. They can try to think of other things. But the cross is crucial to living an abundant life here on earth and to live eternally in heaven. So because of the cross, we get to see who God is. And I've got a little video that, that points out just a couple of things about who He is. Thank you. He is. 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 He's my deliverer. He's my healer. 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 He's my healer.
He has no ending at all. He has eternal hope, blessed hope. He is our creator, sustainer, infinite, present, great, deliverer, healer, life, hope, awesome God of the Bible. I love that. He's the awesome God of the Bible. He is my God. He is my Father. He is my friend. He is the healer of my wounds, the bridge of, over troubled waters. He is faithful. He is true. He is my all in all. He is the light that pierces the darkness, the forgiver of all my sins. He gave me another chance. He loves me. He loves me, even me, and he is love. He is indescribable, unsearchable, everything. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the great I am. He is God, the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus. He is. He is. So who is he to you? What a question. Who is he to you? The message of the cross is foolishness. You embrace the ways of the world as you foolishness to you. Where is your salvation? Stumbling block. Where is your redemption? That's our question. Who is he to you? We're going to close this morning. And, and in this time, I invite you to consider who he is. 